0: This one was very much about change, like making a change to identity. And it just so happened that we had a baby and that we were moving and that we were doing all this other stuff. It was about figuring out who I am in the midst of that um, while driving through Arkansas.
1: Hello, my name is Leif Parton and welcome to How Humans Change. I think the intro clip says most of what this episode is about. The only thing I will say that I really appreciated about this episode is that it's still very fresh moment in time um this isn't a long time ago this is still very real and there's still a few things happening and so i'm really thankful for his vulnerability and just openness and i hope you really enjoy it because we did please rate and share this podcast and if you or anyone you know would be a great fit we'd love to talk to you Um, please reach out at howhumanschange.com but without further ado here's ben
2: Part of what
0: we had chatted about is like the the last eighteen months has been pretty wild, you know. And I think that for me, I don't know what it it is for you all, but like that the story of like pivoting out of what you've always been and how you've always defined your work, whether it's from nonprofit or career changes or being a father or moving, is like a story that's resonated with people. And like it's a conversation that I'm having, and now people are calling me and they're like, "Hey, talk me through that." Thing and I'm like, oh, did you think I did it well? That's great, you know. Like I, I didn't know, and I don't know if I did. So, um, but you know, the current is you know flows out of the past as well. So we'll see, you know.
1: And just to set it up, you because you lived in New York, which is where we all met. Um, yeah. For what six, seven years? You lived in- I moved there
0: in 2010. Yeah, so seven years, seven full years.
1: Yeah. Not bad. You proceeded to you lived in South Africa before that, and then Ohio before that. So you've been all over. Right. You're
0: now- yeah, the technical way I tell the, the story of like my movement transitions is I moved 10 times by the time I was 10. Um, just between, you know, back and forth to Florida a couple times, staying with grandma in the summer, um, all kinds of craziness. And then I stayed the longest I've ever been in one place was when I was 10. We moved into uh, the, a home in Ohio and were there all the way through high school and then college in New York. Um. Yep. Moved, lived in South Africa and Swaziland for a couple of years, and lived in Gainesville, Georgia, uh, which was um. Yep, and uh, <laughs> and then right, and then moved back up to New York outside the city, and then moved into New York City and lived all around for those those seven years. So, yeah, the longest I've ever lived in the same house was from ten to eighteen.
1: Hmm. So. That reminds, like, what do you think about, what does home mean to you now in your mid-30s?
0: Yeah, man, home is where the heart is. You know that. Like, that's just pretty standard. Um, home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> stop uh, asking stupid questions. <laughs> um, so home is,
0: it? it's definitely not a physical spot for us, even though, like, when you come home to that place that is yours, it feels relaxing and like it's that place where you feel safe and unwind. It's very much defined by like the core people in my life. And I mean, I think about when we moved out of New York, right? We spent 10 weeks with my parents, which was awesome. Eight weeks with my in-laws, which was awesome. Um, And but basically with a a seven week old all the way through the time she was five months, we were in all of these different places, living in people's houses, sleeping on floors, sleeping in nice bedrooms, whatever it was. Seventeen states, seven thousand miles over the course of six months, and that was still home. You know, like us being together, that was still home. So, um, somewhere in there is like a definition of home. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah.
1: And the last, and so the, and most recently, you you moved to Austin with your wife and your and your one year old. And yep. what do you what are you up to
0: now? Yeah. So uh, I spend. I always tell people now I spend my days at the like the intersection of people and product. And people are like, oh, that's so cool. I'm like, oh, great. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, yeah, so I'm in a people-focused role on a product team here. So we, I work at a software company in town. And I also do have my own consulting work and things going on. We moved to Austin, which is like the home of the taco, which we didn't really know that, in um, the taco truck. And so basically, we spent the first five months. We came down here for a certification program, which Josh Chambers told me to do. And it was a great choice. Um so I came down here and did a certification course in product management and got a job out of that course with the instructor and just like decided to stay. So we didn't even know we were going to stay. I went to the first class with the car top carrier still on the car. Um pulled up outside the building, walked into the class and I was like, "Man, I really hope this is good." I actually told the instructor I said, "No, you know, no pressure, but uh, I'm staying in an Airbnb. I have a five-month-old, and all of our stuff is still packed up on the car. And I came here for this course. So I hope you're really great. He was like, "Okay, all right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And he was. He was, and he gave me a job. So Did,
1: yeah. Would you recommend threatening future instructors and like with people of power? Is that that seems to be successful? Does that work out in the past?
0: I, I've never been so bold. But maybe that was like the level of desperation and like need I had in that moment.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And maybe being a dad.
0: Yeah. I felt really responsible. You know, I was like, instead of working, what I'm gonna do is spend five thousand dollars and take this course for three months. And it's it's probably the right decision. And it has been it was a it was a good decision, but in the moment it felt like, man, I really need this course to be great.
2: Yeah. I'm so glad it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, Dan Corbin. I mean, the instructor. He was. He is. He is great. And um, it was like the the right place for us. We needed to be in Austin at this time. Um, and it was really good to like just establish us because we had been living with other people for six months. Um, ever since the baby, before the baby was born, ever since you know we'd moved out of New York, had the baby in Ohio, and then like I said, had been traveling all around, trying to figure out. Who we are, what we're going to do, where we're going to live, you know, that whole thing, because pivoting out of I basically uh, I talked to a career coach and she was like, you can't change location, change job and like role all at the same time. Right. So like industry role and location. And she's like, you're doing all three. So I don't think it's going to work out. And that like in that process, we were trying to figure out like all three of those things at the same time. Like, where am I? Who are we? We just had a child. And then where we're gonna live, because we're not gonna do New York right now. And I'm not going back to nonprofit. I was really committed about not going to back to nonprofit. And um and so like we just kept waiting and waiting. So by the time you know we walked into that class, it had been like five or I walked into that class, it had been like five or six months of that soul searching process. And so I was like, really, you know, this seems like me, but let's see what happens.
1: Did you ever feel like this wasn't gonna work that you were gonna have to? retreat or was there like we can't even go back to new york there was no
0: so let me let me let me frame it a little bit differently um what happens or what i think happened is that nicole and i had some my wife nicole um and i had had this conversation for years where i i felt like i was doing work that mattered but i was not happy um and you know there were different different manifestations that i loved i was in higher education i was working for the american cancer society so large nonprofits. i'd worked for an international service organization um that was the whole africa scene right and so like there had been these places where i was really invested and i she kept just saying you're not happy and she was that person you know when you would come home at the end of the day and she would reflect back and she's like this isn't the person that i married you know this isn't the like, I don't care what you do, but I need you to be happy. Like, I want you to be like, feel like you're fully engaged in your work, but I, I like to like really be happy in what you're doing. And she was the biggest leader of, hey, our life has plunged. right? We're, we're going to move. We're going to have a baby. Our first one, which is insane and amazing. And you're talking about making a pivot. And it's like most people, I feel like in that moment would have been. No, like we need to like just stick with this job, do any job. Like we need financial security, we need insurance. And for her, somehow, like nine months pregnant, she was willing to support that transition out of, hey, this job is ending, um, and you don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to go through this extended period of um, soul searching and find it while we're starting a family in a new location. And so like that, that's kind of what that like that wrestling looked like. So it started before we left New York. I knew I was gonna lose my job with the American Cancer Society. They were going through the final phase of a restructure and they were, you know, I don't know how many employees, but probably over a five year period, like maybe downsized 30 to 40 percent of the organization. Yeah. It's the kind of transition yeah. I knew I would have voted for, like, like they need to get slimmer. I knew my role was being eliminated. I knew I wasn't gonna get selected into that, that, that position, right? So we kind of had this time to start thinking about it. And we had this, you know, in that moment, I was like, I'm going to leave and I'm not coming back to nonprofit. And every time, you know, it would be two or three weeks, no job would come up, no, you know, make no process or I'd, you know, progress or I'd run down this way, wasn't ended, that didn't turn into anything that I wanted. And she was the one's like, you're not going back to nonprofit, stop applying for nonprofit jobs,
2: you know? So,
0: Hmm. yeah, so like that wrestling, wrestling with that transition in. And coming on the other side of like both figuring out what you want to do and just knowing it's not that, you know, so talking to a couple people right now, you know, leaving the ministry, a couple pastors, right, um, who are like deciding to not do ministry anymore. Like, what does that process look like? Like having like we're having those conversations together based on you left something that you were completely about and now you're doing something else. So, yeah.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. And then you would and then you would turn to Nicole and. And she was, would you say she's probably, she's probably the rock and the best part of your relationship?
0: Yeah. Like she, I mean, her commitment to getting into something that was life-giving for us, you know, and for me was really important. And like, and like, I mean, even now, as I'm thinking back through it again, just like, I'm now much more informed about being a parent because my, you know, Rue is 15 months old and if it felt crazy then now knowing what we've been through, it's amazing that like that happened, you know, like her courage to fight for what I needed and make that kind of transition was really important. So, um, yeah, but actually it's, do you, should I just go get Nicole and like put her, she should actually, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like I so much of like, uh, the changes that we've been through there's always like struggle do you feel like you could have come out of this point without sort of the storm of the unknown of that that year would it be what it is if it wasn't that hard
0: that i wouldn't complain um those months definitely took a toll there's this like really like comical moment now where we were driving through arkansas you know going to live with my in-laws and it was like 104 yeah. degrees And we had a seven-week-old, and we were tired of being in the car, and she was crying, and had this explosive diaper. And we got out of the car at what looked like a rest area, but really it was just like a really scary Arkansas broke-down gas station that we couldn't. We we just ended up changing her out in the parking lot, and it was a million degrees. And I just threw the diaper on the ground and was like, "What is going on with our life?" Right, like that was like this, like, Mm -hmm. and that's not a terrible story, except. It was, and we still had sixteen hours to drive, you know, and um you know, so like I I could have been fine without that, you know, but at the same time, yeah, it being hard and like the challenge of it defines you, right, and it helps you discover who you are as a person and who we are as a relationship, and like it kind of has forever shaped how we we'll parent and who Ru is and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's there's moments I would edit out, but you know. We're pretty happy that we have that story, and that's how we started. I think the important you know, I think the important thing that that felt different. So I have all these. So let me just like reflect back to you all, right? And not that I'm gonna start interviewing you, but think about this. Like, so I've listened to so much of like the episodes that you've put out and I've resonated with the change, right? So I was previously married, so I resonated with that change. My relationship ended for some of the same reasons that some of the people that you've interviewed, their relationship. So I'm resonating with that, right? I've changed. Uh, I was in full time ministry. I was leading people. I was in a very Christian evangelical mindset in my twenties, and like, as I would you know say later, I was making my money on Jesus. <laughs> um, and I left that right, and so like I've listened to the stories that people have shared, and I've resonated with those. Um, and you know, there's just all of these things, and then all of a sudden, I'm in the midst of like another change, and so whether it's hard or not like this one or whether I was prepared because of all the other transitions, this one was very much about change like making a change to identity. And it just so happened that we had a baby and that we were moving and that we were doing all this other stuff. It was about figuring out who I am in the midst of that um, while driving through Arkansas,
1: <laughs> Arkansas, the, the home of identity change. Oh man. Totally. You um, are the king of like helping people break down stuff. What was that process like? Maybe like dig deeper on like, What are the, cause you're still very much doing a similar thing of like, you're helping people, you're leading people, you're, you're in a personal part of a product world. Like they're, all the skills are very similar.
0: Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, I'm definitely at the back of the line now. Right. So I went from like running like a a large team and, and having to you know, a title that mattered to now I'm, I'm an associate, no one reports to me and I can go like, The world doesn't matter if I have a good day or not, you know. Which is, and that's kind of been really refreshing to not be in charge for a minute. Um, I say that I run customer support, but if I'm honest, I'm the only person in customer support. So (laughs) it's uh, that it's the royal we.
1: How did you How did you deconstruct your identity and like put it back together? What were like some of the breaking points and what
0: stayed? Yeah, I wanted to work for an organization that like valued. Um, people, you know, uh, I wanted to uh, be, work, get into a role where I could be compensated um, for the work I was doing. I, I kind of was frustrated with nonprofits be- feeling like they kind of had the, the trademark on mission, um, as in it, no one else did. And really, it was just like, it's just not true, you know, just so inefficient. And so uh, just kind of keep tripping over ourselves at times, right? Um, and so like, there were some of these things that I was reacting against, and they were so really what it was was like you're saying like just kind of deconstructing that process it was like figuring out who i was and what i wanted to do how i wanted to what kind of outlet i wanted to have for you know my talents or the way that i you know wanted to use my influence so um you know the way that i processed through that was just like talking with people was a big part of it so you know just like reflecting back asking people what they they know about me, what they think I'd be good at, because I had no lens on myself. Um, I had like once I, it was like a lot. It took a lot to leave, and then when I entered into that boundary season, of like just applying for jobs and reading job descriptions and being like, I can't do that, or I don't want to do that, or your soul dies a little bit when you read that job description, and you know, and so I just kept reacting these to these things. Like, is it about running a team? No. Is it about leadership that I'm reacting? It's no. Is it about pace? No. But I, you know there were as things would come up i could just tell what i didn't want to do and it was like harder to figure out what i did want to do in that in that transition i just again it was very much like i just can't do that but Mm. when somebody's like "Well, what would you want to do i was like i don't know but in that first six months i only had one interview that whole time Mm. and that was just a really weird season like nobody responded to my really well-crafted cover letters (laughs) <laughs> and emails. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was like it, it got pretty dark. And it got pretty it was like it felt like the move out of New York was also like a move out of community for us because that's where our all the people we'd invested in the most were located, the people and friends that we knew. And and we were with family and there is that community, but suddenly all these people i processed life with and had come of age with over the last several years, you know. I was sitting in West Texas and like trying to figure out who I wanted to be. And it felt like a very lonely spot.
1: Hmm. What was the first breaking point? Was it just that, was it Josh? Was it Josh saying like, you should do this product management thing?
0: That, that was down the road. I think that we talked in October, you know, or maybe even early November. Um, and so like, you know, really there from June through August, it was about trying to like figure out who you wanted to be in the margins of not sleeping and having a newborn. Um, and also, my whole identity then changed again because I had become a father, and it was amazing. and uh, but also extremely hard. And just like just there's just there was so much that was going on that. And then coming out of that and getting a little bit of light and a little bit of air, you know that there was a whole nother round of processing. So, yeah, the conversation with Josh was actually really pivotal because, it was someone reflecting and saying, hey, it sounds like that you think you have these skills and that shows up in this kind of occupation and you could you should explore that. Um, that was that was helpful for me because I'd never I've never been exposed to product management or product development before.
1: As someone that is personally going through a lot of like, I don't want to do those things. In my own life. What is it that you what is it now out of, the, out of the woods that you feel like are the things that you do want to hold hold to that? You're like, well, I am this person. And I do want to do that. How would you define that now?
0: You know, the things that I want to be a part of now are still like being invested in people's lives. But mm-hmm. I don't need the organization to give me permission to do that anymore. And I think I always use nonprofit as a way, you know, organizations to get at, that kind of gave you access or a platform to work from. And now I feel like I am, like I have my own platform. I have my own, it's not about like, you know, it's com though that does exist. It's like, hey, you know, it's more about, even in the role I'm at, I'm still investing in people's lives, helping people live better stories with their lives. Just getting like that development, culture, community relationships like that's a big piece. So I don't need my organization to do that for me anymore. So that's one of the big transitions that's come out of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and And then getting to do work that is is done well and like working in a new way has been really, really liberating for me as well. so it's i it doesn't sound like very sexy of the like the product since like I I'm not I'm not I'm not like like judging the outcomes of where I'm at right now, but it does feel very much like we've come like there's more to this pivot that I'm going through, right? So I'm 38, you know, I'm I've changed my career, my industry, and my role. Um, and we're satisfied with that, but that's still gonna go through a lot of other iterations. Mm-hmm. Um but now that we're in a place and like in a new role, like there's been a lot less soul searching. Hmm.
1: That makes sense. So that's like what you're saying is like so much of it, just the agency to like, you can do whatever you need to do without. Obviously you need to pay the bills. Yeah. But you don't, that's really interesting that you don't need another person or, or a group to validate the power and influence that you have. Right. Um, uh, which would obviously segue into the Kickstarter that you just launched. But this, this, that would obviously be a huge part of that, right? You just started a uh, a Kickstarter for a product called the Reflection Ritual.
0: Uh, what's the right way to say it? So, like, I've been working on that for years. Um, so that when I joined the product course, you had to like launch a product in ten weeks. That was kind of like the course of work. So here was the theory, and then you were actually doing this work. So, not having any tech background, I used like my my certification course as like the time to really, really develop out this thing that I'd always want to do, which is called the Reflection Ritual, which is a way to help you intentionally, it's guided activities that help you intentionally reflect on your year, present moment, and the kind of story that you want to live in the coming year, right? Um, yeah, so I just launched the Kickstarter, got funded, um, went really, really well and is closed. And it's like, I'm really thankful that's done because if, as you know, I don't know, Josh, I don't know if you've done a Kickstarter, but it's like a full-time job when it's open and it's kind of terrible. Beautiful and terrible, all at the same time. So, yeah, it is now going out into the world. This thing that you you know the difference between launching a product and being a business. That'd be an interesting conversation, but it's a business now. So, twelve hundred and fifty journals going to press as of today. It's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. it's amazing. Because to me, it seems like such a, a
1: a catalyst of exactly everything. It's a very physical representation of like everything you've been building towards in the last like decade that i've known you
2: it's yeah it's so
1: interesting that like yes you have all these manifestations of, of like a new job and a new new places but like the the physical success of that and the fact that that many people are resonating with it and you you basically did it you know on your own without the help of a major corporation
0: mm-hmm. It's amazing yeah yeah thanks well and i mean i don't know Obviously, you're a big part of that. Just FYI, if, if, if people don't know, Leaf made the video, so thanks. I should I want to say that on this, on this oh. podcast right now. Um, right. But yeah, so that 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 journal is actually like a really great example of my life. So when I got divorced in 2010, I was living in this like really really small apartment in Brooklyn. Actually, I was living in this really small room in a small apartment in Brooklyn, and <laughs> um, you know, and I was like, I kind of tell this like story in the journal of. I'm in Target. I'm 30. I'm trying to pick out sheets for the first time in my life on my own, right? Because my mom didn't pack my bag for college this time. Where, you know, and now I'm like outside of this relationship where we'd made joint decisions. And I have a panic attack and start crying in Target over sheets. And it kind of was the low, if you will, of like this, this is this is a really dark time. And I can't make a decision about sheets because I don't know who I am. I don't like because I couldn't figure out do I want brown sheets? Do I want white sheets? Do I want I had no idea who I was. Um, and it was a complete rebuild from my everything about my identity. To, like, how do I want to dress? What is my style? Who am I as a person? Like, I was doing that as a 30 year old. And I'd done that with the person and I don't I hadn't done it well in my 20s. Um, inside that relationship, I, I just for a lot of I must not have done it well, or because I had no idea of who I was once I was on my own. Right? That's when this practice, this reflection ritual, started because, and trying to figure out who I was. There was this phrase that you know, like, you you have to practice your way into the story that you want to live. And so, like, I started like just launching all these these mini practice stories and trying to figure out who I was. That's where the journal came from. The reflection ritual came from starting to pay attention to my life and starting to figure out the kind of life that I wanted to live. It came out of that. It was just a, in my journal for years, and then it became a Google Doc that people started sharing, and then it became a digital download, and now it's this like real, as I say, a beautifully designed journal created to help people live better stories with their lives. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
2: I think one of the things that was so interesting about your transition career-wise, Ben, is that it was so many years in the making, mm-hmm. but that when the time came to make a big change, that you made a big change. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of advice out there now. And I give this advice to people a lot in the form of people making changes or products making changes that you just, just take the next step, just take the next step, just take the next step. Right. But knowing, knowing when the next step is a baby step versus a leap can be very challenging. And I think one of the things that struck me about the, the, the big change that you made was how, big of a leap it was and that it couldn't have been a baby step that there was a point where I can't turn this into a google doc anymore I can't just get a different job in a nonprofit profit anymore mm-hmm. I can't just get a different apartment in the city anymore I gotta blow everything up right and it and it was really courageous to then blow everything up and take leaps I- into substantive changes not only am I going to do something with this journal. I'm going to produce it in physical mm-hmm. form. I'm mm-hmm. going to kickstart it. I'm going to get a new career that's $5,000 to take a class at 38 with a kid. Um, yeah. Really, Really dramatic changes. What was going on for you that alerted you to the fact that you had to make leaps this time, not baby steps?
0: Right. The baby steps, I mean, the movement, the baby steps were good right like so a previous transition from higher education to the large nonprofit was a jump in from experience and the amount of people and the level of responsibility um so like just changing like you're saying though those changing those contexts weren't enough it wasn't solving the problem um and i think that what convinced me to do it was that i i just i wasn't in a good spot like going into parenthood you know
2: i just i didn't
0: I didn't like where I was. I felt very stuck and I was frustrated. And when I'm a frustrated like person, then I'm it's just it's not good for anybody. And so the the risk of staying actually felt riskier than launching out into the unknown with all those things.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the Leaf was alluding to this earlier about do you think you could have made these changes without the pain? I think that when we spoke, whenever that was, I could resonate so closely because we me and Corinne had done very similar sequence of things, right. and it it seems like it, it takes the, a lot of the safety nets being torn away before you can truly stare the thing in the face, and that if one of those safety nets would have stayed, let's say you guys stayed in New York and you still had your community, I wonder whether or not you would have done a product management class that costs $5,000 when you didn't have much money and Mm-mm. wasn't sure about that as a career path.
0: Right i don't I don't think I would have you know i I, I would have gone to the next nonprofit gig just because the paycheck of trying to keep up with like the cost of New York life is so mm-hmm. intense, right? So um you know, because we had the ability to to be mobile and to to stay with family and to like lo- dramatically lower our cost of living like dramatically um you know that allowed us to then consider doing these other things so i there just wasn't enough time to actually get to that place where we were ready to i was ready to make that decision you know Mm -hmm. like in new york it takes a lot of work to get to work and get home and to you you know you there's a little bit less margin and so you know i think i needed west texas and like kind of the loneliness of that moment to realize, like to be able to do the kind of thinking and processing that I did.
2: So, what do you think about place? You mentioned home is where the heart is, and I can resonate with that. We've we've moved on, uh, so many times, mm-hmm. and you do build up the capacity to see home detached from place, and yet place does seem to play such an important role for us hmm
0: it's interesting about place like I think movement is really helps me be creative and helps me mm. think you know those like long drives in the car all you know the the 7,000 miles in the 17 states like that I did a lot of thinking in that space So I think movement is important um it's not home though you know it, it is it's definitely not home so place matters for sure there's places where you can be more creative you can be more thoughtful you can you feel more rested um but it definitely is not like a defining thing i think about too like you know just to keep interacting with with the work that you two have done um i think i called josh after like listening to the episode with ty and i don't remember ty's last name um but Mm. listening to his transitions and the risks that he took where he like needed to leave these like signature pieces that you know moments where people are like no you you should stay there that that's where everybody wants to be and no he left that and I was like I'm driving mm-hmm. and like nearly in tears because I'm like that's what I'm doing and that's what I need to do. Um mm-hmm. but I just don't know how to and I'm gonna like I'm doing it but nothing is working out. No one is writing me back. No interviews like you know it just like I I mean I had started like you know in that moment I, I know I was in the middle of Tennessee driving towards Ohio, you know, like I, I that's, yeah. it's like crystallized in my mind.
2: Wow, right?
0: Yeah. Huh. So that's terrible. Yeah.
2: I remember talking to you and part of the reason I mentioned these taking a the leap versus the baby steps, not that one is better than the other, but knowing that that was the right time to do it. Mm-hmm. There was a, you were experimenting with other baby steps. Mm-hmm. You were, um, jumping in on some um, just some smaller projects and testing the waters in different areas that were sort of product management related. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being struck by the f- fact again, that you did the class that you took the big step because I've, I've seen so many people that like the advice now is like, go start a blog you know go go try and and in many ways that can be really beautiful if that's the time for that that's the baby step to take that it's you just need to get from not creating anything to creating something from not having any permission to having a little permission right but do you remember how like wasn't it wasn't there a few projects that you that you picked up that felt kind of small and like this isn't enough this isn't going to cut it this isn't gonna get me to the next thing. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Well,
0: in that space of, like, of when you know, it's starting to explore things. I think things felt small at times. You know, there was this weird thing about of confidence. It was more so of like, do I have the confidence to do that, or or to be my own brand product, or go into a new space. And I think what I was really wrestling with was like trying to find the confidence to be to, to finish the transition that I had started. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I explored like doing my own consulting and and trying to build that out. And one knew I didn't have the margin as a new parent. And that became really quick, like parent really quickly or the capital to be able to, to be able to take that on. You know, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to express myself that way. And I knew I couldn't express myself like inside an organization that I, I couldn't believe, like didn't believe in or couldn't believe in or couldn't sign up for all of that. Um, and so maybe it's that things felt small or maybe they felt too, you know, maybe contained is, a, is another way of saying it rather than small. Um, but there, there was definitely that struggle.
2: One of the things that I'm, I have felt in my life. Very confused early in my career when I joined a company that was very missionally driven. Yeah. There was no question as to whether or not the, the organization was doing good work or were countering human trafficking. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And um, realized pretty quick that unless I liked my job, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And you were describing something different in your nonprofit world that unless you like your job, it, it doesn't matter. Now, what's interesting for me is that some of the most fun work I've done has been work for companies and organizations that I don't particularly I can't get behind fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is a very difficult tension to walk in and one that people don't fully understand if you if you truly care about a mission. So right. you are a guy who cares about the mission, who's learned that your work has to be important, and who's now trying to to find that balance between work that's enjoyable and missions that are good or good enough. How are you resolving that tension now going into for profit and doing something that's good, it's not bad, it's not great, it's just it's helpful? Yeah.
0: There the just to reflect on, you know, the similarities in our stories. It it felt like I was always signing up to deliver somebody else's mission. Um like, you know, like you were and the reason that I was promoted and, you know, always like did like did fairly well in my work at, at the different nonprofits I was at was because I was a better communicator and I was able to really help them, you know, deliver on the mission that they had. But if you didn't comply with that mission, especially in the faith-based context, that became a struggle, right? Or if you didn't fit certain boxes within that mission, you know, the way that the mission was expressed, then yeah, it, it didn't work for me anymore. And so, the, but the reason that I kept not leaving was because I couldn't self define what my own personal mission was right i didn't you know and whether i you know I, I thought it might be this or i thought it might be this external manifestation but really it was coming to terms with who i am and like and the and the places that i operate best and like the kind of impact that i want to have on the world and so i think that those those things it was like i can't deliver people's mission anymore but also i can't find my own and so that's why i needed that that's why there was such a large gap in between
2: Um, Well, this is something interesting to me now, because I think that everyone's being told that we need to have our own mission statement, that we need to have our own purpose. And I think that there's value in that. But I feel like I've spent a lot of time, you and I over the years have sat down and traded thoughts back and forth on this. But I've spent a lot of time, I think, really feeling discouraged that I don't have a mission that is as clear as the mission of my clients or the mission of that organization. and. And yet I can still actually be really enjoying what I'm doing. Right.
0: Right. yeah, I, I, I don't with that. I, I um, It's like social media and like being a social influencer and all these things, like you're supposed to think of yourself as a brand and a product, which means you have to have also like your tag and your like what mm-hmm. you're about and and your sound bite. And I'm not that either. And I, I'm not good at coaching that. I'm not good at necessarily like even helping people come up with that. So I do, I do like react against like needing to have a mission statement versus being missional in your life. Right.
2: Yeah. Um, why don't you talk about that? Cause as a, this is something that maybe we'll, we'll put this in the show notes, but you are a certified coach that, and you do use StrengthsFinder and other tools to help people. And you've talked a lot about the difference between being who you are a versus having something you have to do and mm-hmm. uh, living out your identity and using your strengths you want to talk about that
0: yeah i yeah one of the coolest things about coaching is like you're sitting down in, in a in a time when people are asking big questions in their life and you're going through this discovery phase with them and you're helping you're joining with them as they're seeking to become something and i think that 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 in that space is an area that I really thrive because I love sitting with people in that moment. and i'm I'm really comfortable in that space with them. Don't not having an agenda for them, not having a place where they need to um, to arrive at is 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 something that I thrive on. and i I think I've done well at. but the for me, the the difference between like coming to that place of being missional is very much about like leaving New York and coming to Austin as maybe like a a, a, a picture I can do is like, Every, that is a place that you're supposed to be. That is like the signature city. Um, there's there's just so much that's going on. And so people are like how, is it like, how is it for you now to be in Austin, right? And for me, it's like, I can now, that I've made a transition and become something and like figured out who I am in this place, I could literally move to any city in the country. And because I no longer, it's no longer about like the definition of a city and being in a certain spot. It's who I am in the place that I'm going to now.
2: Yeah, you're not using those, traditional pillars to build an identity right right
0: yeah it's not like it has to have this and it has to have this and it has to have this it's this i am this person and what i need to thrive is about who i am it's not about the place that i'm in Um, and so that that is a fairly liberating transition that's
2: happened couldn't we were i was back in new york and recently in la and reminded about how oftentimes people like to talk about the city that they live in, in those cities, mm-hmm. because you're constantly having to deal with that's such a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and leaving the second time when we left New York was very liberating because it it strips away that identity that the first time strips away the for me stripped away some of that identity of being the guy from New York, per, perhaps in a creative field. But then second time around. That is very liberating to know, like, oh, I can just be me. Mm-hmm. And I can show up anywhere and be me. And not having a job or a city or a whatever, right? needing to have that to proffer to the world, here I am, look at mm-hmm. who I am. Right.
0: Yeah, those, I think that, like, becoming a parent strips you of that a little bit. Oh, does I, it ever. You know, but I'm also one of those like ones that tries to refuse to define myself as a parent you know like we're like this is like that's not identity either um and so you know i'm not defined by this place now i'm not defined by this role these roles that i have now and so it really puts the emphasis on like you actually having to discover who you are what brings you joy you know and And, like, what do you want to do in the world? So, like, mission is no longer defined for me. So, like, am I going to be a good person? Am I going to care about other people? Am I going to give a damn about, you know, am I going to serve anyone, you know? Or did I just do that because that was the mission of the organization that I was part of? I There's no expectation for me to impact people's lives inside my current role, you know? But am I going to contribute to the dynamic of my team? Am I going to build authentic relationships with my peers? Like, that now is my—I have to have agency or, like, you know, empower— not power, but like that's a choice that I have to make, and that, that that doesn't matter if I'm in New York or Memphis or Austin or someplace, you know, just anywhere in between.
2: Well, back to an earlier point, it sounds like a much a much more self empowered place.
0: Yeah, and I think that the reason that I was able to put the journal out into the world now was not because I had the time of this. I mean, the class helped, and the note and the knowledge of the product cycle helped, but I actually felt confident enough in that this is a great resource. This is actually going to like, this is not just me sharing this, this thing that I've done with the world and saying like, Hey, do you hear me? Like, what do you think of this? It was more like, Hey, I'm, I want to give this to you because I think it's going to actually make a difference in your life. And I think that happened because of the transition that I went through.
1: Any, any, adv- something we ask a lot as a, a fan, you know, is like, is there any, um, any advice you give this other people that are going through this, um, some big, dis- big shifts
0: I would say if I was giving advice about people who are, especially who are considering like pivots more than career changes, right? If you're going to pivot in life, so I'm 38, um, I've changed jobs, you know, obviously. So this is not that so, but if you're, if you're considering a pivot, it would be to not try to figure out the end before you start the pivot and that it's going to take longer than what you think. Um, one of my buddies who I was just talking to recently it was like, so we do this to do this and then next month. And I was like, it's really possible that you you need to like get a job at Starbucks for the next two months because you're not gonna get the job that you want because you don't know what you want for at least three or four or five, six months, if not more. So don't wait, just start. I mean, going back to those steps that that Josh was talking about earlier. Don't don't need to know the destination. It's more about you beginning the pivot. Like that's that's really about honoring yourself and finding your voice and discovering who you are. That's what the pivot's about. And then you'll find that place to land. Perfect. I I guess what I'm thinking about as I'm hearing I'm like listening to myself talk and wanting to have this like really cool podcast. Uh, which I'm sure people like maybe, maybe all the people you've talked to just seem like so in charge of their transition and change. Um, so far in the way that like they've come across and I know that's not true Um, and I'm realizing that like I'm just like still changing I'm still in the midst of this transition and I think that's why there's not a lot of definites about it or outcomes yet it's just that I'm actually still radically pivoting and I don't think I've like completely landed yet Um, you know so there's this there's these like incredible moments that have happened in my life these signature moments of change, but this one, because I was finally responsible for other people, felt bigger. I was responsible for my marriage, I was responsible for my child, and then we still launched into a pivot. And I think that's why it like stands out in my life. But my fa- but the reality is is like it's still we're still spinning, you know, right? Right And that I think I'm actually hearing that as I'm talking about it right now.
2: That would make sense, Ben. You are still very much in the middle. Yeah, I won't. I won't comment directly on the on the podcast, like the story arc or anything. But that would totally make sense. That it's still pretty early in this this transition. Yeah, yeah, um, and
0: that's okay. I yep. you know that's that does make sense. Um, but I almost in my mind had thought I think I was thinking that the pivot was done
2: you know Mm. it's well i think you know for whatever it's worth i think it's natural i think i do the same thing i think it's natural to feel that way because once you get a little bit of ground under your feet it's just so relieving Mm -hmm. and it's so life-giving to just be like
1: finally yeah
2: and um Yeah. yeah and i think it so i think it's pretty natural to feel that way and then it's not until you're into that next thing where you're like, oh crap, that's still there. That, yeah. that thing is still around. Oh, I'm still changing over here. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how else we would do it and not, not like end it. Yeah. It would be too overwhelming. Right.
1: Right. But also you are a thousand times more grounded and in... maybe you're not like through the most of it, but like you as a person yeah. are through like the, the major core of it, like you, you are a very different person than you were a year and a half ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm a healthier person, and I mean, the one thing I would say, and that you know, I'm, I mean, I, I say this publicly, it's like, I, I, you know, I, I think I chose this pivot. I don't know, maybe it chose chose me, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of me not getting that job at if if they would have if ACS had offered me the role, I probably would not have taken it. I don't want to sound like I'm like so cool that I would have turned down.
2: I think you would have turned it down then. Yeah.
0: I don't, I don't know because then I would have had money and maybe I would have signed a lease and maybe we would have stayed and then it would be a year later and it would be chaos. But so the, what happened by being forced, like the transition that we chose to leave. So we definitely chose to leave. Yeah. I don't, the eight months it took to get a job where they some gave me time to engage with my child in okay. a way that I don't know that I ever naturally would have mm-hmm. you yeah. know and so in some ways one of the best things that happened is that like I got to be a father you know And and the pivot it was almost the excuse but like it was like this extended you can call it extended paternity or you could yeah. call it extended unemployment but like, yeah. I often wonder if I would have like chosen into being a like a father, or if I would have just like been caught back up in my work. Like, it would have been, you know, it's one of those things you won't know. But it, yeah, you won't. It's definitely. Uh, I'm actually like really, really thankful I didn't have a job for eight
2: months. You know, two things strike me that you, as you're talking. First of all, I bet you would have made the change, mm. um, because I, I think that you, um, I don't think you make the dramatic change that you made then without. Um, it gets, it was in there somewhere. Yeah. And the circumstances like it needed to happen. And I bet you would have gotten there and maybe you wouldn't have gotten there at the same, same speed or whatever. But I also think, um, I mean, I was at, I was at some of my darkest moments in my life. That's, that's, that's not true. I was at some really hard points when I turned down some really high paying jobs. Right. And, Mm. um, and even in those really rough moments, even when the paycheck would have been nice, mm-hmm. I knew career-making jobs with a lot of money, I just, I bet you would have turned it down, man. And right. I think that's an important thing to say, because I think that changes the narrative about yourself. That um, I think that there's probably a lot more courage and bravery in this story than, than just shit happened to me, so I reacted. Great. Right. Um, and I don't think you've stated your story as though it's in that latter camp. Mm-hmm. um, for the record, and then there was other, one other thing I was thinking is, I don't know about you, but it, when you when you're saying, like, is this, you know, talking about this story? is this like, is this making for good podcast material, whatever? Um, I think that it's so hard to describe the depth of what you experienced because it's basically seven to nine words, and they feel so inadequate and so small to mm-hmm. say. I had a kid, changed jobs, I changed cities. Doesn't even come close to capturing what happened. Right, mm-hmm. right. I think the closest thing that comes to capturing what happened is crying at Target because you don't know want sheets and throwing a diaper on the ground. See, right. Imagine that, times a thousand, over and yeah. over and over and over and over and over and over. Right. Without all of the really common, oh, I know where I know where my favorite coffee shop is. I know what my wife and I's relationship is. Yeah. I know where I'm getting my paycheck. Um,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I appreciate that. You know, I, I think it's, it is, um, we, even if we don't know, it's, I mean, it's good to hear people believe in me be like, yeah, I think it would have been this way that way. You know, I, <sighs> the hardest transition was out of community. If I was to say it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the hardest part of that transition was leaving the safety net of, of friends that were like family mm-hmm. um, and launching out and doing this on our own into the biggest transition that we've ever made in our life and figuring that out. So if, you, if I was to sum up the way, like the transition that, that we made, and I've said this but, you know, before, is that um, we faced the trifecta, lease, job, and baby all in the same month. And so we left everything we knew, drove around the country, searching for who we were, and really it was us as a family making that transition, and ended up in taco country. The, uh, hey, thanks for, thanks for helping people tell their stories, guys. Appreciate that. It's um, thinking about like getting to put my, tell stories of transition, you know and change in your life is and having people be interested in that moment is really special so i appreciate the work you guys are doing hey. Hey.
2: yeah yeah for sure thanks for sharing yeah